0: Warning This podcast frequently contains disturbing and graphic content. User discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. A big welcome to our newest official members of the Nightmare Society online campfire. Brittany C. Alexandra L, and Rebecca N. We're so glad to have you all. Welcome to the campfire and thank you so much for your support. Also, a huge thanks goes to user infamous lunchbox, user hashbaz, and user iridescent spectrum for sharing their stories with us tonight. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society This happened about five years ago It was spring here in Utah Meaning cold mornings that require a coat And usually scraping your windows before leaving I lived in a relatively remote community West of the railroad tracks that lead to oil refineries in my area Not exactly a busy area And very little housing where I lived at the time Though now it's a bustling community One Friday morning at about 9.30am as I'm on my way to work My usual route is blocked due to an accident being cleared up, so I take the quieter, longer route through the industrial park east of my house. I pass the only gas station on my way in and head through the industrial park, which is quiet except for diesel trucks and the rare car like my own. As I come over a small hill and over a set of train tracks, I see a car pulled over to the side with its hood up, and a guy just standing there next to the driver's side door, looking at me as I broached the hill. The car is a copper-colored two-door sports car from the 70s or early 80s. Nissan, I think. I'm usually good with cars, but the guy distracted me. He looked straight out of the 70s. I'll never forget this guy, blue jeans, white shirt collar showing above his coat tan work boots darkish tan 70s style leather coat with wool showing at the collar thick dark mustache and a John Travolta in Saturday night feveresque haircut a bigger guy probably in his mid-40s around 6 feet tall or just over a bit of a gut but clearly a thick dude who was not in bad shape hands in his pockets but his feet planted firmly and back straight like he was at a parade rest as I see him I slow down to see what's the problem and start to pull over to get behind his car and he's just staring at me the entire time no nod of recognition or hand wave to signal me no smile just staring with his face perfectly flat Hands in pockets, not moving. I get this super creepy vibe, and as I'm about to pull over, I pulled away and sped off instead. That's very unlike me. I stop to help people all the time, but this guy just gave me a bad feeling I couldn't shake. As I look in the rearview mirror, I see he's not moved, but just turned his head a bit to watch me go. And as I watch, he turns back to stare west over the tracks for the next car to come along. I get to work and I'm feeling bad I didn't help the guy out, but I tell my boss and close friend about the encounter, and he tells me he gets creeped out hearing about it, and I should be glad that I trusted my gut. I don't think about it much more and get to work. On my way home I take that route back home to see if his car was left there just in case he had a real problem and sure enough it was gone Feeling relieved he had at least gotten his car taken care of I felt less bad about not helping some stranger because I got weirded out by his appearance and demeanor for some reason Get home, go to sleep and think nothing of it I worked Saturdays at the time and always took the long way to work on Saturdays since I didn't have to worry about traffic. Come 9.30 the next day I'm heading the same way to work that I took the day before. But because the industrial park is full of Monday to Friday type companies it's always a ghost town on the weekends and in the evenings. When I came home the previous night I drove for 15 minutes in that area really slow speed limits and it's a long road through and i did not see another car on the road there even the gas station closes its inside operations on saturdays and evenings after six nobody was ever around that area during off time hours so i'm cresting the hill and sure enough the same guy is there again same car same spot hood up and standing next to the driver's side door. If I hadn't been so creeped out by the guy the day before, I may not have noticed how eerily similar it was, like he somehow hadn't moved since the day before. This time, however, he reacted to seeing me, pulling a hand out of his pocket and trying to wave me down, without moving his feet and clearly yelling something. I sped up. He clearly heard my tin can of a Toyota rev up. And I kid you not, he put both hands up and moved as if to step in front of my car to block me. His face never changed the whole time. Just that blank stare and semi-frown slit of a mouth as he started to step in front of my car into the two-lane road I was on. Wide, but two lanes. I swerved a little to avoid hitting him and kept going. Now, here's the thing. That section of the road is straight for quite a ways. And though I was really shaken up by the encounter, I looked in my mirror to see him just step back to his car and keep staring west. Just like the day before. Like a stranger hadn't just swerved to avoid killing him and leaving him to his own devices. It was weird. I never saw him again after that, but I called my local police, of whom I personally know several officers, one of which was a neighbor, thinking maybe he really did have a problem. At the time, a few things stood out to me, though. Namely, that the day before, the gas station would have been open, and if he didn't have a cell phone, it was less than a block away, and he would have had to pass it in order to be on that particular stretch of road. Being where he was supposedly broke down, there was no way he could have not seen it. I hadn't thought of it Friday, but it struck me hard Saturday when I saw him again. Secondly, it was the exact same everything. Car with hood up, outfit, even the shirt so far as I could tell. Place and even just the way he stood waiting for a car to come from the west just over a hill where he would have been hard to see in that spot until you were fairly close coming from the west anyway and since I knew his car hadn't been left overnight that felt very very wrong lastly the dead look on his face when he tried to flag me down I could see him clearly I was going 25 miles an hour the speed limit in that particular spot and he did not change his expression when he saw me he just went through the motions that was probably the most unsettling part to me it was like he knew what to do but not how to do it right emotionally also that he just turned back to staring immediately after I passed him later that day I asked one of my cop buddies if they came across the guy but he hadn't heard anything And even later on I came to find out the cop on that route hadn't come across anybody when he stopped by a bit later. It's a smallish town. Not much happens here. Non-emergencies are slow to be dealt with at best. My buddy told me thanks for calling in. Stranded motorists can really get hosed when nobody's around. But also good on me for following my instincts about that guy. Basically, if you feel creeped out by a stranded motorist, call the cops and they'll find and help them. Long story short, I never saw the guy again and I hope I never do. Because whatever his game was, I know his car wasn't just broken down in the same conveniently hard to see spot repeatedly. Of all the creepy crap I've seen in my life, and there's been a lot, that is the one that repeatedly enters my lot it's about 8pm and I'm relaxing in my room enjoying how still the house is because no one is home besides me it's dark out this time of year and the only light in my room is from my computer screen and the moon my window is open the temperature is really nice the only sound i hear outside is insects i start playing video games and put my headphones on because i don't have good speakers I'm playing for about 10 minutes when I see light come into my room like someone opened my door. I turn around and see a man standing in my doorway. He's acting like he came into the wrong room and shuts my door again quickly. I don't think anything suspicious right away because one of my roommates, Greg, has the room directly across from mine. I figure one of his friends came home with them and just got the wrong room by mistake. I look at the clock and realize neither of them should be home for at least an hour. Greg is out for a religious thing and my other roommate Caleb is at work delivering pizzas. So I start freaking out. I'm not sure if I should go investigate or call the police. Maybe I'm wrong about what time Greg is supposed to be home. I decide to go out and investigate. I slowly walk to the top of the stairs and lean over to look down into my living room. Trying to keep out of sight. This man is downstairs trying to take Caleb's laptop which is on our coffee table. I'm not sure why but my fear at that moment turns to anger. I'm furious enough that I want to run downstairs and fight this guy. Although my mind is yelling at me. He could be armed. You could die. At that moment I hear him kind of loudly whisper. Don't try to come down here or I'll kill you. This threat brings my fear back, but also elevates my anger. I'm paralyzed for what seems like forever, but it's really just a few seconds. I'm a nerdy white dude with no training, so what I can only describe as instinct and adrenaline kick in. It's kind of dark, but with some light coming in from the kitchen, I can see well enough. He has nothing in his hands except Caleb's laptop. I then look at his waistband for anything like a weapon, and I don't see anything. In fact, his pants are almost falling off of him. I know I can get down the stairs in a few seconds, and since he was busy with the laptop, I just rush him. I run down the stairs full speed, yelling, Get the fuck out of my house! And he bolts for the front door. When he tries to open it, he pulls on it in panic, but it's dead bolted. He pulls on it so hard it bends the latch. At this point, I'm maybe three feet from him. He manages to get the door unlocked before I get to him and runs out into the night. I'm still intent on chasing him, but as I get to my front steps, my rational mind kicks in and tells me not to do it. So I look through the house to make sure no one else is there. I first go into Caleb's basement room and on my way back up, I see everything sitting in the kitchen sink is knocked over. You should know at this point that the lock on the window above the sink is broken and that's how he got in. We had been telling our landlord for weeks that it needed to be fixed and they had done nothing about it. This window above the sink is only about a foot tall and two feet wide and about five feet off the ground so he must have struggled to get in I don't see anyone so I finally call the cops it only takes them about 10 minutes to get here but by the time they do I'm shaking uncontrollably I don't know if it's just from coming down off the adrenaline or mild shock but I cannot stop shaking the cops seem legitimately concerned about me asking if I'm injured or anything They're worried about my safety first before anything else. After making sure I'm okay, they scan the house too. No one's there. All he got away with was Caleb's laptop, but didn't even get the charging cable because he tried to rip it from the wall when I rushed him. The cops are here for about an hour asking questions and Greg gets home during all of this. They ask him some questions too before leaving. The landlord, when we tell him about all this, is really cool about it. He promptly fixed our window, reimbursed Caleb for his laptop, and mostly just felt bad they didn't fix the window in time to prevent this. It's been eight years since then, and nothing like that has happened to me again. Even though part of me wants it to because I miss the adrenaline rush. So, guy who broke into my house... I'd almost like to meet you again, but let's not. Some years ago, me and my friends went for a drive into a disused quarry and now National Park here in the UK. We spent a fair amount of time there throughout our teenage years. Being the teenagers we were, we would find ways of entertaining ourselves, sometimes at the expense of others. Nothing too sinister, but being the usual kids we were, we had nothing else to do. One of our favorite pastimes would be to turn off our headlights and park up discreetly so no other cars could see us. A lot of people would park up there and smoke weed out of sight of the police. We would hide the car in the dark and once we saw someone pull up to have a quiet smoke we would pretend to be the police. I.e. flash a blue light and play a siren as loud as possible on our sub. We found it funny, okay? Obviously this would result in the people in the car panicking and trying to hide their weed or drive off as fast as possible. Funnily enough, we ended up making several friends from doing this once they realized it was a joke. Over the years, pretty much every night that we were up there, we would see a motorhome parked up in the same spot. We never paid them any mind because you could never see inside it, and it always seemed dormant and dark. The motorhome was clearly a very dated model and pretty dirty. The only thing other than it looking slightly out of place was that it had the biggest antenna on top. Like I've never seen one so big before. One night it was extremely quiet up in the quarry and we were about to go home because there wasn't really anything else to do or should I say no one to terrorize. One of our friends then asked why we hadn't given any grief to the people in the motor home. We explained the above and never seemed like there was anyone home. After some time, we decided that we would bang on the doors and try to shake the vehicle and scream earthquake. Again, please bear in mind, we were very bored and very stupid teenagers. All four of us got out of the car as quietly as we could and sneaked around the dirty motorhome. We counted to three, trying to hide our giggles, and began our plan. We shook and banged and shouted earthquake at the top of our lungs. After about 30 seconds, no response. We all looked at one another. There was clearly no one home and it felt completely anticlimactic. We began to walk back to the car, which wasn't too much of a distance away, when the motor home door opened at a pretty relaxed pace. We all heard the creak of the door and spun around to see what it was. We all stood frozen at what we were seeing. People began to pile out of the motorhome, not quickly and not slowly, but like nothing had happened. That was strange enough, but the part that made our blood turn cold was the fact that they were all wearing masks, black masks. They were covered in matching black cloaks and there must have been around eight to 10 of them. It's safe to say we booked it. We ran like we've never run before straight back to the car and jumped in starting up the engine and speeding off out of the quarry three of us looked back to see if they were following and they were not they were just standing there looking in our direction the door to the motorhome was still wide open and we could see that it was lit by candlelight and candlelight alone no wonder we could ever see any light coming from the windows at night obviously there could have been an explanation for this Like maybe they were playing a trick on us because we used to play tricks on everyone else in the car park. But either way, it was completely terrifying. So creepy cult people, let's not meet again. Remember to follow us over on Instagram for Would You Rather Fridays and other updates. And if you're interested in possibly supporting the podcast, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash Nightmare Society. We have our merch also linked in the description, and you can also leave us a review if you feel so inclined to do so. That is also a huge help to us. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time...